Uh, Today we're wrapping up our series called Against the Grain. And we've said, um, we started this about six weeks ago, and we said we all have desires or longings in our life to see some things change or see some things improve. Um, Some of us set goals around those desires. Some of us make New Year's resolutions at the beginning of the year, right? But whenever something, uh, we see something in our lives that we want to change, there's usually a couple of things that are true about that. Uh, The first thing that's true is um, our desire for change is always rooted in convictions or values. If it's not, um, then we're not going to change. But if there's something deep inside of us that believes God made us to be healthy or whole in a certain way, um, then we're constantly going to have this desire to be moving towards that and to see some things grow and change and improve. But then second, uh, our desire for change is almost always going against the grain, right? It's way easier not to change anything. It's way easier not to do anything. To truly make a change in your life, to become more healthy or whole um, physically or spiritually or emotionally or mentally or, or, or financially, right? Whatever it is, uh, we all know it requires sacrifice. It requires some hard work. It requires doing things without often not seeing immediate results. It requires a lot of patience and perseverance. It means going against the grain. But there are some things that are worth it. And so as a community of faith, we've uh, said, what are the values or convictions we have that we feel are worth it for us individually to be pursuing in our lives to drive those changes and even collectively as a community of faith. And so we've been walking through those values and we've talked about four of them the last four weeks. Uh, We talked about community, that We want to live not as individuals, isolated, but we want to be a community interdependent on one another. Talking about practices. These are the intentional habits or rhythms in our lives that God uses to form us and shape us. We talked about mission. Mission is looking outside of ourselves and being a part of what God is up to in the world and sharing the love and the grace that he's given us with others. And then presence. Presence is being present to what's happening around us, to the people in our lives, and particularly, Emily talked about this last week, to God's presence in our lives. Now, there's one more value we have at New Denver, and it's actually one we usually start with whenever we list our core values. It's one at the beginning of the list, because you could say, in a sense, it informs all of the others, and it's the core value of Scripture. Now, I'm going to describe um, a little bit about our core value of Scripture and how we describe uh, what Scripture or what the Bible is like. And it might be different than how you perceive the Bible. Maybe when you think of the Bible, you think of a big, old, dusty, uh, outdated book like this. And so I'll tell you a little bit about our value of Scripture in a second. And I also want to give you um, an image or a picture uh, or an example that I hope just kind of sticks with you uh, for the rest of the week. But before we do that... I want to go back to Psalm 119 because I want to read the verses of a few verses of that Psalm and I want to show you something about it. So let's just look at the first eight verses and now I'm going to read from um, the NIV translation and we'll put those on the screen. It says this, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes who seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but they follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. 
Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. And I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Now, you probably noticed uh, a few minutes ago when you were reading some of the verses from the psalm that this entire psalm, 119, is all about Scripture. That's really the whole topic and theme of the entire psalm, 176 verses. It's all about Scripture. On and on it goes about Scripture. In just these first eight verses, look at the verbs that David, who's probably the author as far as we can tell, uses to talk about his relationship to Scripture. He says, they're in yellow up there, he says he wants to walk according to Scripture, he wants to follow Scripture, he wants to consider Scripture, he wants to learn from Scripture, and he wants to obey Scripture. Now, we know a little bit about David, right? We've talked about him, or if you've ever read stories about his life, you know David is not perfect. In fact, he's not even close to perfect. He has so many flaws and so many failures in his life, and yet he always has this this longing to be moving in a direction where his life is, is more and more reflective of what Scripture Describes. He has this deep longing. And, and in fact, when he talks about Scripture, he doesn't use the word Scripture. He uses some different words. Those are the words in blue up there. He uses all kinds of different nouns. He says laws or statutes or precepts or decrees or commands. And I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, there's one English word that comes to mind, and it's the word rules. Right? It feels like he's talking about rules over and over and over and over. And in our culture and in most of our minds, rules have somewhat of a negative connotation. I'm a rule follower, and they still have a negative connotation, right? R- rules seem to restrain us, and they restrict us, and, and, and they hem us in. Uh, they keep us from, from doing the fun and exciting and adventurous things that we should be doing in our lives, Right? Uh, the truth is, as we all know, rules are made to be broken, right? But that's not David's perspective on rules. In fact, look at what he says later in the psalm, verse 44. He says, I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. So so David sees laws, rules, precepts, decrees, commands, rules. David sees them the opposite of the way we do. David is saying, if I obey your laws, then I'll be free. If I live according to the rules, that actually brings freedom in my life. That'll liberate me. See, David doesn't think living by Scripture is restrictive. It doesn't restrict you or restrain you or or diminish you or reduce you in some way. He's almost saying it enlarges you. It expands you. It, It liberates you. And in fact, the rules or Scripture, they're not even just about you. That if you live according to them, yes, they will free you, but they will free you to live into something that is so much bigger than you. Here's how we describe the value of Scripture at New Denver. We say the Bible is not just a book of do's and don'ts. 
It's a grand narrative of God's creative and redemptive work in history. And it summons us to find ourselves in God's story and live out the purposes for which he made us. And there's a question we ask about that. Are we orienting our lives around the purposes of God as revealed in Scripture? In other words, are we cultivating that same longing or that same desire that David had to to learn about Scripture, to consider Scripture, to, to better understand the truth of what Scripture says about us, about what it means to be human, about who God is? about what this world is like, about economics and about money and about work and vocation and families and relationships and sexuality and and rest and balance and, and all of those things. Are we seeking to better understand what are the truths that Scripture has to say about all of those things? And then am I allowing those truths to orient my life? I want to give you a a picture of what this looks like and why I think it's so important for all of us. Wherever you are today, maybe you're here today and and you've never even really read much of the Bible because you've tried and it's big and it's hard and it's intimidating and you don't even know where to start and it's hard to understand. Or maybe you're here today and you've been in church for a long time. You've been to so many Sunday school classes or Bible studies or small groups. You've heard more sermons than you forgot, right? Wherever you are on the spectrum, let me just give you a picture that might be helpful. Uh, Last year, I had a chance to go backpacking for seven days um, with a guy named Andrew Skirka. Um, Andrew's a great guy. He lives in Boulder. Uh, I consider him a friend now, but you need to know Andrew is a legend, in the backpacking community. Like he is a legend. He has backpacked every major trail in the country numerous times. The Appalachian Trail, Pacific Coast Trail, Colorado Trail, Continental Divide Trail. He's pioneered a number of routes. Let me just tell you about two of them. He pioneered a route called the Sea to Sea Route where he backpacked 7,800 miles from the Atlantic Ocean in Quebec to the Pacific Ocean in Washington State over the course of 11 months in the middle of winter. Who backpacks through Michigan or Wisconsin or Minnesota or North Dakota in the middle of winter, right? Here's another route he did a few years ago. He pioneered. It's called the Great Western Loop. It's 6,875 miles through some of the most rugged terrain in the American West. Took him 208 straight days, which is an average of 33 miles a day, not on like flat highways, but like up and down the most rugged elevation. That's the equivalent of 262 marathons in seven months' time. So so when I say Andrew's a legend, he is a legend, right? He's won awards. He's been on the cover of of magazines. uh, He he wrote the book on hiking and outdoor gear, literally. He wrote the National Geographic book on the best gear to use whenever you're backpacking or exploring or navigating. And, and, And it would be no exaggeration to say there's nobody better when it comes to navigating anything the wilderness can throw at you. And here's what I observed when I had a chance to backpack with Andrew for seven days. There is no uh, backpacking trip that he goes on that he does not take two things, a map and a compass. 
These are what he uses to figure out his pathway forward. These are what he uses to figure out where where the life-giving water sources are going to be that he needs to find. These are what he uses to figure out what are the dangers or the obstacles or the things that I'm going to have to circumnavigate around. A simple map and a compass. Uh, They're easy tools to use once you learn how to use them. A map, as you know, is just a a, a two-dimensional representation of the lay of the land and all the contours and what's in front of you, right? And and then a compass, if you know how to use it with the map, helps you figure out exactly where you are on the map and then helps you determine the direction that you need to go, the bearing that you need to move in to move towards the destination that you need to find. And, And what I observed with Andrew was every single morning that we got up, we were hiking in the wilderness of Utah, every single morning we got up, he would pull out the map and compass and determine exactly where we are and where we need to go. And then every hour or two as we're hiking, we weren't on trails, we were just in the wilderness back country, every hour or two he would pull out the map and compass again to help reassess where are we now and how do we need to get to where we're going. Here's what I learned Um, from Andrew, a few things. Number one, uh, you have to have a good map and compass. So you just invest a little bit of time and effort of printing out good maps of where you're going to be before you go and making sure you have a good compass that works. Uh, Number two, other tools can supplement your knowledge, but nothing replaces a map and compass. Uh, You might take uh, uh, an altimeter with you. This is a watch altimeter. It helps measure the altitude to tell you what altitude uh, that you're at. You might take a GPS unit or even just a smartphone. Most smartphones now um, have GPS technology and there's apps you can download and you can actually put the map on there um, and and that can be really helpful. Uh, You might take a, a satellite communication device so that in case you get lost, you can call somebody or send out an SOS Uh, to find some help. Um, But what I learned from Andrew, what he uh, shared over and over and over is these devices should be used and they can actually be really helpful, but they can also fail. Electronic devices can always fail. (laughs) The battery can run out. They don't work very well when it's really cold or really hot. Um, even the altimeter watch, is, it measures altimeter based on barometric pressure. So if a storm moves in or the pressure changes significantly, it can often be unreliable. But there's one thing that's always reliable. It's the map and compass. So supplement with these other things, but don't let them ever replace your map and compass. Number three, you have to use the map and compass in order for them to be helpful. Seems kind of obvious, right? But how many of us have been backpacking and thrown things in our backpacks on a trip and never pulled them out of our backpacks? And the map and compass can be one of those. You can carry those with you, but if you don't ever pull them out of your backpack, if you wake up in the morning and you say, you know, I think we should take this trail and I think it's going to go to this lake down in this valley and it looks like a lot of people have gone this way and that's the way to go. And you just rely on your gut and your instinct and your intuition, right? But you never use the map and compass, well, they're not actually going to be useful to you. Number four, you have to trust the map and compass and let them guide your way. You see, on that same day, if you pull out the map and the compass and you look at it and you recognize, yeah, there's a trail that goes down this 
valley. And it looks like people have taken that, but that's not going to take us to where we want to go. That's going to be a dead end. That's not going to get us to our ultimate destination. We actually need to take a right here and we need to head up and over that ridge. The map and the compass are telling us that's where we need to go to get to our destination. And in that moment, you have a decision to make. Which are you going to trust? And you need to trust the map and the compass and let them guide your way. And then number five, um, I learned this from Andrew, you never outgrow the need to rely on the map and compass. I mean, if there's anyone who could have skipped it, Andrew could have, right? If there's anyone who is a legend and an expert and has so much experience being able to do this, if there's anyone who's used the map and compass so many times before and say, I know what they're probably going to say, it could have been Andrew. If there's anyone who could have just like looked at the clouds and the rocks and the, the animal tracks on the ground and knew the terrain already and said, I'm pretty sure we need it, it would have been Andrew. But I saw somebody who was humble enough to know every single day. You never outgrow the need, right? You're never experienced enough. You're never smart enough. You always need to pull out these tools and trust them and rely on them to orient your path. When it comes to our journey of faith, when it comes to navigating the challenges of life, I think Scripture is the same way. Here's what I've learned about Scripture. Um, you need to have a good Bible, right? You, just, you spend some money and make sure you have a decent Bible that you can read. Number two, other tools can supplement your knowledge about God, about yourself, about the world, about how to navigate tough situations and difficult decisions. Of course, there are other tools that can be helpful and can supplement your knowledge, but nothing replaces Scripture. Number three, you have to use Scripture in order for it to be helpful. If you never pull out a Bible to actually read it, or you never engage it, if you never learn from it, it's not going to actually be helpful for you. And of course, Scripture is not always easy to read or engage or learn or understand. Just like a map and a compass are sophisticated tools. They require some time. They require someone to teach you how to use them. They require a lot of practice and continual use to keep up your skills. I've also learned that they're best used when a bunch of people can sort of surround, get around the map and the compass, and everyone can sort of read them together and understand the path together. And the Bible's the same way. If you don't ever use them, then they're not going to be useful. And then, uh, number four, you have to trust Scripture and let it guide your path. There's going to be plenty of circumstances in our lives where um, we're going to think, I should take this trail, or decisions where I should go this way, and it looks like that's what most people do, and, and that valley looks pretty, and it looks like that's the way to go, and, and yet Scripture might say, hmm, you're going to regret that. That's leading you to a dead end. That's not going to help you be the person you want to be. That's not going to help you get to the destination where you want to go. And it's in those moments we're going to have to decide what are we going to choose to trust? And sometimes scripture is really clear about that. There are 
some pretty clear uh, guidelines in Scripture that can help us. And a lot of times there's other places where Scripture just offers some paths and some wisdom and some examples that we should maybe either not follow or follow. But it's in those moments that we have to choose to trust the wisdom of Scripture. And then number five, I've learned you never outgrow the need to rely on Scripture. You keep coming back to it over and over and over and over, just like Psalm 119, 176 lines over and over. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how experienced you are, how many times you've read the Bible or been to church or how many sermons you've heard. You never outgrow the need to rely on Scripture. And so if I could pull all this together in two uh, really simple phrases, here are the two things we need to do. Learn from Scripture and live by Scripture. Just learn from Scripture and live by Scripture. Perhaps you'll leave today inspired to learn a little bit more or engage Scripture more or read it more or re-engage it, but you don't know where to start. Again, maybe you're new to this. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're new to the Bible, and it's just so big and intimidating and overwhelming. Or maybe you're here today and you have read a lot of the Bible. You've been doing this a lot of your life, and it's kind of gotten old. And you're looking for some fresh or new ways to re-engage. Well, I have a ton of really practical suggestions. Um, And if I started going through them now, that would be a whole other sermon. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to just do a quick podcast this week where I offer a whole bunch of practical suggestions, some that we've shared before and some things that I've learned recently of ways that you might be introduced or reintroduced to engaging and learning from Scripture. But we need to learn from Scripture, and then we need to live by Scripture, to ask the question, where in my life, or what ways in my life am I coming to Scripture, and am I letting it show me how I need to be reoriented, or I need to reassess some of my values? And those are questions that the older you get, the more you have to ask, not the less. Uh, One last thing. um, We learn from Scripture, and we live by Scripture, but we don't worship Scripture, right? We don't worship the Bible. We... Worship the one that Scripture points to. We worship the Word of God that became flesh, that became human. The ultimate destination is life with Jesus, life in Jesus, life that God has for us in following Jesus. And Scripture is like the map and compass. It's the tool that we've been given to help us along that pathway. In fact, it's the best tool we have in the bag. And so it's one that we can't afford to ignore. So let's keep learning from Scripture, and let's keep living by Scripture as a community together. Let me pray for us. God, um, 
for all of us, uh, we are at different places in life and in different circumstances. And I'm guessing some of us just need some encouragement right now in whatever it is that we're facing. Or perhaps some comfort, some consolation, perhaps some wisdom. Perhaps some of us feel like we're stuck or we're in front of a very important decision and we don't know what to do. God, whatever it is, I pray that you would use your spirit and you would use the light of your scripture to show us how we can trust you more and how we can lean into all that you have to offer to us. I pray this in your name. Amen.